Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Wake up, Valley sports fans. How is everybody doing today? Happy Tuesday to you all. I am Dan Bickley, Vince Morata, Jared Carlin, Sarah Cazell with you until 10 o'clock. I, Vinny. Hello, Bick. Good morning to you. Likewise. Uh, can I share something that I came across this morning? Please, yeah. Do you remember the story early this month about the uh, fan at the Indiana Pacers game that was selected from the crowd to participate in the on-court contest? And he made a layup, a free throw, a three-pointer, and a half-court shot. And the place went nuts. And he won 50 bucks or he something like that? 500 oh, bucks. Oh, yeah, that's okay. what it was. So uh, let me take you then to a, uh, a middle school. Like maybe it's a high school. I'm sorry. Uh, but it, the kid is a middle schooler at Bishop Ryan High School in Minot, North Dakota. All right. Okay. He hit uh, four shots. He did the same thing. A layup, mm-hmm. a free throw. Mm-hmm. A three-pointer and a half-court shot. You know what the prize was at this high school in Minot, North Dakota? (laughs) (laughs) $10,000! Was that a real high school, or is that like that other bishop? uh, I have have actual footage of it. There's there's stories on the Minot websites. Yes, the internet has come to Minot. By the way, uh, could you? It, it, that would be my luck, as I would mm-hmm. do that, and that would and be the, the prize. prize. Would be just some really crazy, stupid prize. Yeah, yeah. Free yeah. car wash <laughs> for a year. <laughs> That's not a bad prize. I'd take that prize, but five hundred bucks for doing something incredibly difficult. Yeah, in an listen, NBA game? It, it, that's that's not a that's not a good feeling. Winning something than being underwhelmed by the actual prize. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there there was one time a long long time ago, and this was pure luck. This was really when I was just an an iffy golfer at best. Uh, I was in a golf tournament. It was a Dale Hellestray golf tournament, and I won both closest to the pin contests on in the same course on the same day it was pure luck mm-hmm. i just happened to put good swings luck it was not a reflection of who i was at the time i'm just saying that so it doesn't sound like i'm humble bragging here the prizes for those <laughs> sucked compared to the random prizes like okay if you if you had a, a raffle ticket and you know what i mean and i was like come on like this shouldn't you skill. be rewarding the skill Parts of this competition, so yeah, that's a bad feeling. Do you remember how underwhelmed you were? were exactly what they were? It, it, I was just so very underwhelmed. I, yeah, I just I thought uh, because I've heard about closest to the pin contest before, and you're like, I I've heard, wow, I might win in you know uh, an iPad or yeah. you know, something Here's like that. A, fr- a free keychain and a stress ball. <laughs> right. It was yeah. It was something like that. So I I, I can relate to that. I just thought it was funny. It's worth more. That's worth more than 500 bucks because you know what? Once you get the free throw down, the three-pointer and the half-court shot under that pressure. 
I mean, even in in, in the same realm, the the NBA, the, the Lakers apparently have a similar promotion. Seventy five thousand dollars is the prize. Oklahoma City twenty thousand. It all depends on the sponsor. But the Suns used to give away a car forever. I remember. They've, there's been a couple of half court shots, or that's that uh, same contest. It's the a seven it's a skills contest now, and includes like the passing into the net. Uh, okay, but they've done that a couple times this year for uh, for uh, I think it's a, a Kia. Nobody's come close to winning it, but it's still a great prize if you win it. Yes, right? Mm-hmm. I would like to win a Kia. Yeah. Huh. I just thought that was right. Yeah, I no, that. listen. That really yeah, funny. no, that is that is very. Now, do they often do that at Suns games? They rarely ever do that, right? They it, it used to be a lot more frequent. It used okay. to be the the half court shot for thousands and thousands of dollars on every Friday night. I think it's like once a month now they do. Okay, it. yeah, all right. Yeah. Those should always be very well rewarded. I think so. I too. totally agree. Five hundred bucks. I'm with you, man. All right, Jared, start the show. Splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. That being said, if anybody wants to give me $500, I'm here for it. You got to do something for it first. At least hit a half court shot, Jared. No dice. Have a skill, yeah. Jared. <laughs> no deal. <laughs> the uh, Cardinals coaching surge dragging on, but as it gets longer and longer, maybe getting more interesting. Uh, more names added to the list of head coaching candidates as the surge is now in its fourth official week on the calendar. Monday, the Cardinals requested interviews with both coordinators from the Cincinnati Bengals, Lou Anarumo and Brian Callahan, and a sit-down with New York Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. Callahan is also interviewed with Indianapolis. Anarumo interviewed last offseason with the Giants for their head coaching position that was later filled by Brian Dayball. Kafka is still on the list of the three other teams looking for a head coach, Indianapolis, Denver, and Houston. So the list of candidates is now at nine, and uh, that doesn't include D'Amico Ryans and Dan Quinn, who will not be uh, the next head coach of the Cardinals. But there's really one name that everybody's still talking about, yeah, and that is Sean Payton. Yeah. Because the intrigue is getting thicker, Vic. Explain. There's, well... Paul Calvisi, who Mm -hmm. works for the Arizona Cardinals, went on our sister station, KTAR News 92.3, with Gatos and Chad, and basically predicted it'll be done next week. That, and then, and yesterday, listening to Wolf and Luke, they they seem to think that what the Cardinals are doing, interviewing the pair of coordinators from the Bengals, is nothing more than a a leverage play Mm -hmm. with the Saints, who are, you know, trying to extract as much as they can for Sean Payton. I hope they're right. Yeah. I hope they're right. It's it's not the way it strikes me, but I sure hope they're right. Yeah, and uh, there's intrigue in Denver, too, because this flirtation and maybe more than a flirtation between uh, Jim Harbaugh and the Denver Broncos continues, too. They will just not they won't leave him alone. He might have to get a restraining order if he's not interested. Well, and, and again, it's it's like th- this new ownership group in Denver, w- what they just did is so um, so against the code in the NFL, and that is they've interviewed a bunch of candidates from the NFL to be their head coach. Jim Harbaugh has already taken himself out of consideration. To go and fly back and re-interview Jim Harbaugh has really kind of 
confirm the weirdness that might be going on at the very top in Denver. Yeah, good point. 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy suffered a torn ulnar collateral ligament that will keep him on the sidelines for at least six months, according to reports. Purdy suffered the injury while being strip-sacked by Philadelphia's Hassan Reddick on the Niners' first drive of the game of the NFC Championship game on Sunday. Later returned, but threw only two short passes in the second half in the Eagles' uh, 24-point win. Uh, it's a big blow for his future, and I, I guess it would be it wouldn't be par for the course if we weren't talking about some sort of quarterback strife heading into the offseason with the 49ers, considering the season they just had, yeah. using three different starters. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it, it has a lot of implications on what are the 49ers going to do with, with, with that position. They, like the Cardinals, now have a quarterback in rehab. Mm-hmm. Do they go out and sign a Tom Brady for a year and to sort of accommodate for the Brock Purdy thing? A lot of people seem to think so. Or do they bring back Jimmy Garoppolo for another I, year? I think that's finally done. I, yeah, I think that has finally run its course. Yep. Uh, Kellen Moore didn't take long for him to find a job. He was fired by the Cowboys as their offensive coordinator. Hooks on with the Chargers in the same capacity the very next day. Uh, he'll work with quarterback Justin Herbert, and Moore will be Herbert's third offensive coordinator in his four years in the league. NFL has told its 32 teams that the 2023 salary cap will be a record 224.8 million dollars, an increase of 16.6 million from last year. Uh, so a little bit more room for the Cardinals to work with. Suns get a win over the Toronto Raptors at Footprint Center 114-106. Mikel Bridges magnificent, 29 points on 12 of 19 shooting, three rebounds, six assists, three steals, and a block shot. DeAndre Ayton added 22 and 13. Chris Paul with 19 points and nine assists. Suns also got a solid contribution from the bench. 38 total points, including 11 each from Damian Lee and Dario Saric. Phoenix now back at 27 and 25. Six and one in their last seven, and they close out a stretch of seven home games in their last eight tomorrow night when they host Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks at Footprint Center. Yeah, um, I I think there's, uh, we're going to have fun talking about Mikhail Bridges today because ever since he missed that potential game-tying mid-range shot, I believe it was against the Cavaliers, Mm -hmm. Cleveland, um, this has been an interesting little journey in the and from the overtime in San Antonio through yesterday. Yeah, it's uh, it it might it might be a sign of a guy in a good place right now, or maybe just an actual growth spurt. Yep. Interesting to watch. Uh, Sham Sharania of the Athletic uh, reported yesterday that the Suns gave Milwaukee Bucks permission to meet with Jay Crowder, which happened over the weekend. Uh, the two sides still working toward a trade before the February 9th deadline. Elsewhere in the NBA last night, Golden State beat Oklahoma City on the road 128-120. to Steph Curry, 12 baskets that propelled him past Wilt Chamberlain into first place on the Warriors' all-time field goals list with 7,222. That's significant when you pass Wilt Chamberlain in any scoring uh, capacity. Mm-hmm. Luka Doncic returned from his ankle injury, poured in 53 points in Dallas's 111-105 win over the Detroit Pistons. Luka's fourth 50-point game this season, and it was also mixed with a whole lot of trash talking between he and the Pistons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new AP College 25, uh, top 25 college rankings are out. Purdue still number one, unanimous number one, followed by Tennessee, Houston, Alabama, Arizona moves back into the top five. After their weekend of work, UCLA is ninth. Wildcats and Bruins remain the only two teams in the Pac-12 in the top 25. And in hockey, a 12-time All-Star, two-time Hart Trophy MVP winner Bobby Hull passed away at the age of 84 on Monday. The Golden Jet. Yeah, still he's the still the goal, uh, all-time leading goal scorer in Blackhawks history with 604 goals. Also had 303 in seven more seasons. And apparently a truly 
horrible person. If you look at his uh, history. Thanks for adding that, Jared. Yeah, Jared, we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll send your thoughts on to his family. <laughs> uh, and in baseball, Zach Greinke is headed back to Kansas City for another season. He signed a one-year deal with the Royals. 368 ERA over 26 starts with KC last year. There is your splash for the final day of January 2023. Ooh. And with it comes more the end s- of dry January, baby. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh mama. 12.01 a.m. Here yep. we come. Hey, here we come. <laughs> some I'm crawling in the work tomorrow. won't be here tomorrow. <laughs> it's nothing like a 3 a.m. Uh, yeah. here. Yeah. What, what, what the heck? You've earned it, Vic. How about it? Uh, we'll have the latest on the coaching search by the Arizona Cardinals coming up next. Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports Cardinals head coaching search update 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 Sean Payton by this time next week we'll see you think that's going to happen uh, I think they're negotiated right now they keep adding names to the interview list I think they're telling Payton and they're telling the Saints bring your price down no one else is coming after you we'll go hire someone else if we have to I think the Cardinals are truly interested but right now they're negotiating on the price both to Payton and to the Saints that is Paul Calvisi. He works for the Cardinals on their broadcast team. On with Gatos and Chad yesterday, KTAR News 92.3 FM. Kind of a kind of a, a little bit of a detective work there. What I think the Cardinals are doing is yeah. negotiating and ha- having the uh, the price driven down. But the fact of what Calvisi said there is is true. There's not a whole lot of other teams right now, even though he's no. with other teams that are showing, even more than kicking the tires, are showing real palpable interest in Sean Payton right now. Yeah, the Dallas job never materialized. The Chargers job never materialized for Sean Payton. The Denver thing that looked like um, a uh, fast lane, big paying gig if he wanted it, sort of blew up based on whatever weird ownership stuff is going on in Denver. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a, they're making a lot of amateur mistakes right out of the box, so I can see that. So yeah, I, I do. It, it does seem to line up that Sean Payton is going to have to do broadcast booth or the Arizona Cardinals. And if that rando dude's uh, tweet last week was correct about claiming he had knowledge that Sean Payton did not want to go back to the broadcast booth, well, that would tell you something. It would tell you that the Cardinals do have a little bit of leverage here, and it would tell you that that you know the Cardinals don't have to worry about the Kyler Murray factor as to when he is going to return. So so again, I, I hope they're right about this because, you know, when, when I heard that they were going back out on the road and interviewing candidates, you know what my initial inclination was, that this is a sign that, uh-oh, this thing is not going, not happening. <laughs> this is not going to happen. And then I heard Wolf um, say exactly what Calvisi is saying, that that this might just be the Cardinals saying, okay, yeah, you, you want to play that way, you want to play hardball, we'll go interview other people. My thinking is this, if if it really is that mutual between the Cardinals and Sean Payton, they better not let this thing get away from them then. If if this is if this is really a negotiating ploy uh to bring the Saints price tag down, they better not let him get away. I feel the same way, and I it really ramped up yesterday because the Cardinals added not one, not two, but three new names to their candidate list that had not even been speculated upon in Callahan, Anarumo, and Kafka. 
Um, and yeah, it could be the Cardinals buying time. I know there's this argument of, wow, is that, if they're not interested in these guys, is it disingenuous? Michael Bidwill, again, let's go back to what he said the day the Cliff Kingsbury was fired. I'm casting the net far yeah. and wide. And that means, that can mean a, a, a number of different things. Um, the amount of information you can glean, and don't pretend that even if, if this is plan A and most of the eggs, if not all the eggs, are in the Sean Payton basket for the Cardinals, mm-hmm. that giving guys like Kafka, Callahan, and Anarumo these, these interviews, that's valuable for them oh. as well. Listen, the best thing that could have happened over the weekend was that Friday meeting between Michael Bidwill and Sean Payton was a meeting that was so comfortable and so natural based on their shared history with the Cardinals. Like I said, we still don't know if 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 there are is anecdotal stories from them relating to each other at a very young age, because when Sean Payton was a ball boy for the Cardinals, he I mean, he's a year older than Michael Bidwill. So, I mean, they probably were on the same football field doing the same things, putting up cones and bringing water to players. Okay, if they bonded over that stuff, somebody pointed out, I forget who, but it was a good point. Part of the video of Sean Payton leaving the facility, he got into Michael Bidwell's car with him, and you know, that's that's a good sign. When when you're traveling together in one car to dinner or something like that, that's the sign that things are going okay. If If things are really disastrous... The person being interviewed, oh, you know, I'll drive myself. My guy's coming. I got a call yeah. to make on the way. I might as well drive myself. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Every date I had in high school and college met me at the restaurant. Right. Is that what you're getting That's at? what I'm getting at. That's all what two, I'm getting at. All two dates. <laughs> So the fact, right, and, and the fact that Michael Bidwell couldn't get the door open with his key fob and yet wasn't tripping about it, and Sean Payton was back there like, okay, he'll get it open one of these minutes. There was, there was actually kind of like, okay, there's, I, I didn't sense a lot of weirdness. It was maybe, comfy. But yes. maybe it's a sign that Sean Payton was too cheap to rent a car when he got there. <laughs> <the show. laughs> ah, ah, yeah, right? We really don't. I mean, yeah, it, it's probably a good sign, and I know you, you, in, in things like this, you're just looking for any crumb. That that can be connected, and, and there's more than crumbs there. You mentioned the the history which came up, the Sean Payton's history with the the St. Louis Cardinals, but you know that was an organization that was owned by the Bidwill family. There is a connection there, and man, uh, you know, earlier in this process, I would have put the chances close to zero that I thought this was going to happen because I thought it would be the ultimate bold move by the Cardinals, who are a franchise not exactly known for ultimate bold moves especially when it's going to cost a pretty penny. And I don't mean that to, to, to impugn anybody and call anybody cheap, but look at how they've handled their coaching searches over the mm-hmm. years. The biggest maneuver they've made was was the Buddy Ryan maneuver in the in the mid-'90s, and that look, that'll give you pause when you give a, a coach that much power. Everything they did from the start of last year seemed to be a little bit on the cheap, at least when it came, when it came to the you're, roster, in my opinion. You so, talked about it throughout the course of the year, the way it felt on to the me. defensive side yeah, of the ball. It's the way it felt to me, and I know there were a lot of uh, cash expenditures. They bought a new team plane, a used team plane that was probably still between 10 and $20 million bucks. They They had to buy a new LED television for the stadium in advance of the Super Bowl. There was Super Bowl cash outlay that I'm sure probably had to be funded on some level by the Cardinals, at least up front. I, so, I mean, Michael Bidwell having a lot of expenses, get all that. Um, but but I think that it, that's why if if Michael Bidwell is really committed to doing this and, and they really are going to circle and hone in on Sean Payton, I'm going to be very, very impressed at his, at his um, 
hunger to, to get this thing right right here right now especially when so many questions were raised to the contrary over those contract extensions to Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury that just seemed antithetical to mm-hmm. to anything resembling a meritocracy where you get paid for what you produce mm-hmm. yeah and so antithetical and meritocracy oh. right back to back <laughs> Bick is spitting. I'm spitting, man. <laughs> spitting. <laughs> I'm back. Text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line on the whole matter, and we'll have a lot on this today. Fictionary. FanDuel text line is open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, it really wouldn't be right if the 49ers didn't have more problems at the quarterback position after the season they had, right? We'll get into that. More NFL hash marks next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Yeah, if you studied Brock Purdy's body language on the sideline, you looked at his interactions with the trainer, you watched him at the end of the game, simply unable to throw, unable to grip a football. We have now found out why. Sources say Brock Purdy suffered a fully torn UCL, a torn ligament in his elbow, an injury usually reserved for pitchers and, and other throws. Not generally a quarterback injury, although if you get hit the way that Brock Purdy did, the only real options are a sprain, which was the initial thought, or a full tear, which was was his reality. Purdy now set to have surgery. Probably not a Tommy John procedure, but more, much more of a simple repair, something that has about a six-month recovery timetable. So if that holds and if Purdy does indeed have surgery soon, he should be able to be ready right around the, the start of training camp. It's not great news, but if everything holds and goes according to plan, should be totally fine for the 2023 season. I'm Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, on the Brock Purdy injury update. One of the unfortunate Fortunate parts of uh, the NFC Championship game that was largely unwatchable, and a lot of it turned when Brock Purdy left the game with that elbow injury. And I know he tried to get back in the game. There was several camera shots of the sidelines and the, the staff of the 49ers trying to get him right and rubbing it down, but that's a significant injury. And now you understand why Brock Purdy only threw two passes when he did come back in the game, um, even though the, the mm-hmm. 49ers were down big. It's a bummer of an ending of a, of a really cool season for Brock Purdy, but man, the 49ers, <laughs> they catch a break quarterback-wise. They got down to their fourth guy, and he got a concussion. And that's opened yeah. up the door on all this talk about you know the third quarterback rule on game days for the NFL. I, I've never understood why. Money. Yeah, yeah, but I mean. It's another game check you got to cut. It is, but I mean, television ratings are also a thing, too. And when you got a running back taking snaps and running the Wildcat, it's not exactly pleasing to the eye either. So, yeah. There's arguments both ways. I get it. Um, six months. How much concern do you think the 49ers should have on that timetable? If Brock Purdy, which we don't even know if Brock Purdy was going to be their guy moving forward. They still have Trey Lance under contract. Yeah, no, I, I think I think what Brock Purdy did um, warrants um, sort of the reality that coming back into camp that this job is his to lose. I, I, I don't think that the 49ers are going to look at this and go, oh, OK, let's wash our hands of him or this is or let's give this back to Trey Lance. I, I don't think that at all. I think I think Brock Purdy is going to give them an option to go get another guy from the outside. Maybe a Tom Brady is going to give them the option to trade Trey Lance if they can find somebody who will trade for 
for him, and then they're going to fully kind of vet what Brock Purdy is all about. Uh, so it, it it becomes a question. I wonder. I wonder if we're going to get a tweet from Ian Rappaport saying that Brock Purdy's in no rush to return, <laughs> like they did with Kyler Murray. <laughs> And I'm being facetious about that only because it, it, this is it, uh, the contextualization of an injury injury like that is just is still absurd to me. So I think in the case of Brock Purdy, we all saw that injury. We saw him tell Kyle Shanahan on the sidelines, "I can't throw the ball." Mm-hmm. Right. So, but but the way he had performed up until that point, I mean, the fact that the 49ers have another chance now to kind of build around a rookie quarterback contract must be very inviting to them. Yes, absolutely. So, so I think I think they're going to. I, I think I think what they're going to do is they're going to try to go make a play at a Tom Brady or maybe somebody else to to cover for Brock Purdy in the short term, and then if they do get Tom Brady, so Brock Purdy sits a year. Okay, you know what? That might be the best alternative for him. Yeah, there's other people beating that drum on, on the Brady thing, making a lot of sense, and there had been a connection to the to the Bay Area with Brady. I mean, that's where he grew up, too. Ian Fitzsimmons from uh, ESPN Radio. Jimmy G's gone. Trey Lance is also gone. I'm trading him. You know, And your former assistant GM is now the GM in Tennessee. What do you want for him? Because you're part of the process yep. that, that, that gave away three ones to go get him. You want him? Come get him. I am definitely dangling Trey Lance out there saying, phone lines are open, give me a call. And, and give me your best offer. The Tom Brady for one year deal, that gives Brock Purdy time to come back off that UCL if he's not even, even if he is 100%. That's the ultimate backup, as you saw this year, going yeah, undefeated. No doubt. For Tom Brady, and then you turn the keys over to Brock Purdy. So I, I love that scenario if you can make it work and if Tom Brady wants to come back for yeah, one more. Is there a better one year contingency plan than the greatest quarterback of all time? Well, and the 49ers had a chance to get in on Tom Brady the first. First, when he was leaving New England yes, the first time true. and famously did not want him. But I think it's different now. I think the addition of Christian McCaffrey midseason sort of crystallized the fact that they've got a very special roster. And they, they cannot waste any more time with any more unprovens at quarterback. And I think they've had uh, – and there have been other – there have been a number of NFL scouts who have already been on record about this. The film that they see from Brock Purdy down the stretch looks legit to him. To them, looks like a guy that okay. This this isn't just a hot start from a guy who's irreparably flawed, mm-hmm. right? And so I so I think that the 49ers are going to commit on some level to Brock Purdy, but I don't think that they're comfortable with it being Trey Lance to start the season if necessary. It is fascinating though when you when you talk about it when you and when you talk about the film that Brock Purdy put out there. You know, there's always that feeling. Is this a guy catching lightning in a bottle? Is Brock Purdy the football version of Jeremy Lin, who was the best basketball player on the planet for about two weeks? But everybody bought into it. Everybody did. And it extended his career. We don't know. It certainly doesn't look that way. And I don't, I mean, there's so many differences in comparing the two sports and playing quarterback in the NFL is certainly a lot different than playing, you know, a two guard in the NBA. Um, the Trey Lance thing is, is a wrench in all of it, too. I mean, when you consider what they gave up, what they were willing to commit to Trey Lance this year. Right. And they can still do this because they've not committed long term on a contract extension, nor will they at this point. Um, I wonder what the market for Trey Lance is right now. Probably not a ton. I haven't seen much from him. Um, I, and that's maybe both good and bad. 
There's not a there's not a lot to pick apart on Trey Lance either. I, I guess. And I, I you know is he, is he still a prospect? It, it's I, weird. I the way guess. That works. Yeah. Listen, and and so the idea that he would be palatable because Tennessee is the thing that I keep seeing over and over again, just because of that connection that former 49ers yeah, staff, yeah. right? Exactly, is now running the show there. Uh, there's no there's nobody is saying Rand Carthon is going to even want any part of, of Trey Lance. He might be thinking, man, thank goodness I got the white wash my hands of that future, right? So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that the 49ers, it, it, they'd be stupid not to look at their roster and go, okay, you know what? Let's rethink this Tom Brady thing. Let's rethink this because he wants one more year at least. He wants one more Super Bowl. We can give him exactly the kind of team he took over in Tampa when he won a Super Bowl the first time there. Big, physical, can run the football all day long, short passing concepts, you know, dynamic playmaker. Yeah, homecoming for Tom Brady. Yeah, he'd be somewhere where he really wants to be. Yeah, and so so I think I think this time around it makes a heck of a lot more sense for San Francisco, um, which which as you all would know would be my worst nightmare. Having him bringing that man into our division. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no more rooting for the Niners for you, huh? No, that's yeah, that, that. Yeah, that's, that, that's that, that ends. That ends. I think that already has ended. Now that this, now that they're done, this particular right. season is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's not a that's not a lifetime of commitment I made to them. Oh, no, that, that was, was just a, a short term. I got no other no other team to cheer for. And I appreciate what you guys are doing. Right, there's some adversity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the way you're doing it. Yeah. I like a few of your players. Wish I had them here. But the other unknown is what does Tom Brady want to do? If he knew what the bleep he wanted to do, he, he would have bleeped. Been told you done it, Jim. But Tom, why <laughs> oh, are you talking shit. to me like that? You appear to be bothered by the question, <laughs> Tom. This is not the Deaf Comedy Jam. Please watch the language. <laughs> Trey Lance started Week One. Keep this in mind. And you know, I said there's not a lot to pick apart, mm-hmm. but with that team, and no, they didn't have Christian McCaffrey yet. Week One on the road against Chicago. They scored 10 points in a loss to the Bears. Uh, yeah. He completed 46% of his passes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, think about that. Yes. <laughs> yes. And if I'm Tennessee and I'm looking at the uh, can we upgrade? Uh-huh. Is Trey Lance an upgrade from Ryan Tannehill at this oh, point? Oh, heck no. I don't I don't heck know. No. I don't think so. No, you would you would just have to get him um you you, you would have to have as a former personnel guy in the Fortnite, you you would have had to have really been emotionally invested in the kid and gone, okay, you know, and if you could get him for cheap, because again, if, if the 49ers have Brock Purdy uh, as a future piece and you got him with the last pick in the draft, it kind of absolves you from wasting all that capital to get a guy who ain't going to get there. Sure. But again, the Tennessee possibility. Rand Carthon was in that front office. I know. But you remember that draft, how everything was orchestrated by Shanahan and Lynch and how yeah. weird they were about information. That they Rand Carthon might not even even have known. You're right. Yeah, you're he, he might have been standing right. on the table saying, don't do yeah, this. You're absolutely right. He That's might, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, starting next Monday, listen for your name every day to qualify for your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. How do you do it? Just text the word SUPER to get entered. Text it to 620-620. Once you're registered, listen for your name. Uh, and when you hear your name, call in within the time frame. You could be heading to Super Bowl 57. Plus, winning tickets to the FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl experience. That's super to 620-620. It's all uh, access, Arizona Sports All Access, presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Coming up next, the Arizona Cardinals add a few more candidates to their coaching list, including... 
a couple from Cincinnati, their coordinators. We'll get the lowdown on those gentlemen next from Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals for The Athletic. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Tuesday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, the coaching search dragging on. Is it all a ploy to buy time for Sean Payton? Anyhow, the Arizona Cardinals added three more names to their candidate list, including both the coordinators from the Cincinnati Bengals recently ousted from the playoffs. And here to give us the lowdown on those candidates covers the Cincinnati Bengals for the Athletic. Jay Morrison, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Jay, thanks so much for making some time for us this morning. We appreciate it. Yeah, sure, no problem. Happy to be on. Uh, Lou Anaruma, we'll start there. Defensive coordinator. He's There's been a buzz about him with what the Bengals were able to do late in the season and into the playoffs. And I know last year he got some some uh, sniffs in the, in the coaching search, but not a lot of love right now. What can you tell us about his candidacy right now? I mean, it's kind of shocking that there hasn't been a lot of love. You watch what he's done, and not just this year, but last year in the playoffs. I mean, that... That run to the Super Bowl last year, everybody talks about Burrow. That was the defense that took them there. Nine turnovers, just this incredible job of pivoting. They, they go from all they can't stop Derrick Henry to completely shutting him down. Then you turn around and you go to Arrowhead and play Patrick Mahomes and, and just really fluster him, uh, hold him to three points in the second half. It's just it's remarkable what he's been able to do. And it's it's so much about the ability to adapt and pivot. It's not like he just has this one scheme and they they run with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he really, really is able to adjust game to game um, and and sometimes half to half. And I I just, I I am surprised. I I think the reason that he hasn't gotten a lot of looks for a head coaching job is everybody wants the young offensive guy. Yes. And lose a 56-year-old defensive guy. And he was never even a coordinator before he arrived in Cincinnati in 2019. So I just think that background more so than what he's doing in the moment is what's holding a lot of teams back from from reaching out and making a call. That's interesting. And and, and during Sunday's game, yeah, yeah the, the praise for Lou was was profound and I thought, wow, this is, this is a man who's finally starting to get uh, a, a lot of, I don't know, a lot of interest behind his name when the when the news breaks the cardinals are also interviewing brian callahan does that surprise you that they're talking to both coordinators um no i i I mean i think it's smart i think both of these guys deserve a shot we'll see where it is brian's the opposite he is the young offensive mind he's not quite in that sean mcveigh um age range when he started but he's 38 um he's he's worked with uh peyton manning He's worked with Matthew Stafford, now Joe Burrow. He has done a terrific job. There's this this sense that, that he's not a play caller here in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor calls the plays, but it's it's a shared duty. They 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 like to say they share a brain and they do. They see things the same way. Um, he's really been instrumental in what this team has been able to do. And I, I, it's interesting because, you know, Zach Taylor, when he came to Cincinnati, didn't really have much of a resume. Mm-hmm. And you, you wonder now with these guys, both of them, first time they've ever been a coordinator is here in Cincinnati. But I, I guarantee when they walk out of those interviews or when they log off of those interviews, I don't know if they're, if they're coming to Arizona or if they're doing them virtually, but um, the, the Cardinals are going to be impressed, both of these guys. And that's what got Zach Taylor the job. Like I said, he didn't have a great resume. 
interviewed really well. They just have this ability to connect with people, and uh, I, I know they will interview well. Whether they end up getting the job remains to be seen. Jay Morrison covers the Bengals for the Athletic. He's our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. And I know this is all fresh. I mean, a couple days ago, the Bengals are close to, to, to going to another Super Bowl. A day later, they've got coordinators interviewing for head coaching jobs. Leading yeah. up to this, Jay, how much were the Bengals maybe bracing for this to happen uh, for, for one or both of their coordinators to be plucked away by somebody else? Uh, and what does the fan base think of it? Because I saw some reaction when the Anarumo news broke yesterday. Some Bengals fans online were like, oh, no, please, no, don't let him go. Um, do, do you think this is the offseason where those guys move on? Well, first, it's funny, those reactions, because two years ago, I was sitting with Lou at the uh, Senior Bowl talking about coming back, and the fan base was, oh, go, please, please go. <laughs> I mean, they, they wanted him out after two years, and he and really, Zach could have made him the fall guy. They started 6-25-1, and, and, and Zach was insistent that, no, we have not given him the pieces. Um, they go out and they start signing some guys in free agency, some real guys on defense, and we've seen what he's been able to do. Um, I think they expect... They expected this was going to happen. I wrote a story leading into this season where the the Bengals were one of only two teams in the league with a head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and special teams coordinator that had all been in that same position for four seasons or more. The Chiefs were the other one. Um, And it's just, it's rare. You go to two straight AFC championship games, it would be stunning, actually, if, if they don't lose one of those guys. Um, they, Zach Taylor will be thrilled uh, for the organization if they don't lose him. He, but he is—he's been outspoken too that both of these guys deserve a chance. I think Bengal fans and the Bengals organization are prepared to lose one or both this offseason. But time's running out. This late run—I mean, it's just now—they're just now getting these calls. We'll see what happens, but. Um, I, I, at some point, these guys are going to be head coaches. All right, Jay. Adam Schefter said during a visit with Pat McAfee that the NFL has got at least a perception issue when it comes to its officials and something needs to be done as a fan base that went through a day from hell. And we know this because as Phoenix Suns fans, we've lived through this kind of narrative before. What, what is the state of the fan base after trying to digest what they saw on Sunday in relation to the referees? Yeah, I mean, I think they're on the ledge. Um, it it was funny. I mean, we had a long travel day back yesterday. I didn't do a lot of engagement on Twitter. I was just trying to write my follow-up stories and get back. But you get the sense. I mean, I, I have kids that are fans. My wife's a fan. I, I heard all the all the complaints. I, I the, the NFL is rigged. Hashtag. I, I don't think they have an integrity problem in officiating, but they definitely have a competency problem. I mean, you just can't have championship games. Um, have that be the main story coming out of it, how yeah. bad the officiating was. And just even the procedural gaffe by by Ron Torbert to instruct the play clock operator <laughs> to wind the clock, the game clock, and the play clock, and then to shut that down and say, no, that was a mistake, and do a do-over play. It's just a lot of questionable calls. Oh, that one was, was yeah. really questionable. A lot of those calls didn't affect the Bengals. That's what I think a lot of people forget. If you look at almost every one of those calls people are complaining about, it didn't actually have an effect on what happened after that. But still, you don't want national pundits out there questioning the competency of the officiating in these huge games. Yeah, and finally, the most painful penalty of all of them was an obvious penalty that led to the field goal attempt on Joseph Osai. I mean, how is, how is Joseph uh, being uh, received or viewed right now in Cincinnati? Is it is it attacking or is it more nurturing at this point? Yeah, it's more nurturing, and I give the Bengals players credit for that, the way they reacted in the locker room. Um 
you know, Joseph, he's a young guy, 22 year old. I think when people see him stand up and answer questions with mm-hmm. tears in his eyes, I think everybody, when it happened, was probably throwing things at their TV and cursing his name. But then the loss settles in, the human element takes over. Um, he's a terrific kid. He's got a great future. He played incredible in that game. Um, and I think people were more mad at the officials at that point. And uh, I, I don't think Joe's going to have a problem winning this fan base back over. All right. If they're, uh, if they're mad at the officials, how would you gauge that against the Cincinnati Bengals fans' uh, anger for their own mayor? Yeah, I think he lost his reelection two years before it happens with that tweet. I mean, people were really upset. And even I did a, a radio hit in Kansas City on Friday night, and the first question they asked was about the mayor. And when when we were in Kansas City talking to Bengal fans that were out on the streets, they were fed up. They were really upset. And a lot of them said, if they lose this game, it's his fault. Um, that, of course, is not the case. But if they believe it, that's how they're going to vote. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, well said. Jay, thanks so much for joining us, giving us the insight on those candidates. We appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. Jay Morrison covers the uh, Cincinnati Bengals for The Athletic. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, Suns keep their winning ways up. They beat the Toronto Raptors at Footprint Center. I'll give you Vinny's view of it next. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.